The time is 9.02 a.m. You are tuned to KBBI Homer AM890. Here is Jay Barrett with the COVID Brief. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Simon. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, I love that music you were playing just a second ago. Uh, well, let's see if we have uh, two of our three uh, panelists on today. Uh, Nurse Lauren Carroll is unavailable, but uh, I'm hoping that uh, Dorotha Ferraro from South Peninsula Hospital is here. Hello. Good morning. I am. Good morning. And Peggy Erkineff from the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District. Are you with us today? I am, and I will second your comment that that was wonderful music to listen to. Yeah, I'll find out what that is. So I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, well, I couldn't Shazam it because I was on, the call, on my phone talking. So yes, oh. please do. <laughs> you bet. Uh, well, thank you both for joining us. As I mentioned, Nurse Lauren Carroll is uh, out today. Uh, the big news is... Um, the first step in getting vaccines approved for kids 5 to 11. Uh, it passed one FDA panel. It's got to go through, uh, I guess, a larger panel. And then the CDC, much like the booster shots did uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Peggy, uh, how's, that, uh, how's that feeling for folks in the school district? I bet there's a lot of relieved parents. There are, you know, for the parents who've been so concerned and always said our children, our younger children aren't eligible for to receive a vaccine yet, um, this will be a big relief for those families that have been waiting for that. And so we're anxious and hopeful that it continues the process rapidly. We anticipate that. And then I know our awesome healthcare teams on the peninsula will be having that vaccine available as soon as it's approved and can be dispersed. Excellent. You know, when I was a kid uh, back in the dark ages, uh, they actually had vaccination clinics in the schools. We'd line up in the gyms. They'd give us a little lecture about what was uh, going on. And then uh, they'd march us through and uh, uh, shoot us up with uh, the rubella vaccine or, or something. Uh, any plans on having uh, vaccination clinics in schools to make sure that uh, uh, you know everybody who wants one gets one? We haven't done any vaccine clinics during school hours. And we're walking a cautious line here about the choice for families. We've heard families that absolutely want the vaccine and other families who absolutely you don't do anything um, to, for my child and that might even include a, a test. So we're very conscious of um, at all of our schools parental permissions. We do partner and especially Homer we have wonderful partners with our local providers and then we've offered clinics after school hours at schools but it hasn't necessarily been a school sponsored. It's been more of a partnership through the hospital or with local health care providers. And that's been true as well in the Central Peninsula and the um, Eastern Peninsula in the Seward area. We did do one early on last, I think it was early March or late February when the vaccine became available in the Central Peninsula where there was so much, so many requests for the vaccine and, and we did a um, clinic that was at the old Soldatna Prep School. And a lot of our nurses staffed it, and then we ended up getting a lot of help as well from 
some other local healthcare providers, but Nurse Iris, who was with us at the time, worked to put that on after hours so that any of our staff who wanted to be vaccinated could. But we've got great partnerships. We've learned a lot over the last 20 months, and we anticipate a smooth rollout. The biggest thing is letting people know where they can go get this free vaccine. Excellent. You know, we had a question from a listener, um, and I'm going to uh, uh, divert a little bit and ask you that, uh, and then we can talk with uh, uh, more about the, uh, the upcoming vaccine. Uh, but the question is from a parent of a high school age kid, uh, and it's about the symptom-free school policy. Uh, apparently, her kids had uh, sniffles and uh, coughs and sneezes, um, enough that, you know, he just wasn't able to get to school. He's vaccinated uh, and mm-hmm. tested negative for COVID weekly. And so the question is, will the symptom-free policy be reviewed to allow vaccinated students with minor symptoms to return to school? I don't have an answer for that at this moment. Um, we've had that symptom-free school um, protocol in place actually for several years. It just hasn't been something that has been really pushed and talked about. I do know that the, at the district level, there's been a lot, several weeks of working with how can we change who's considered a close contact. Excuse me, let me reframe that. When somebody's identified as a close contact, how can we help keep more kids in school? So what other th- options could we put in place if somebody's identified as a close contact to, to continue coming to school? I anticipate that we'll have more available for that next week. Um, I don't have anything public right now. I know that there's still some things going through review of what could potentially change. And then having the vaccine available will also help those parents who are concerned about um, their children being at school and potentially exposed to somebody who's positive anywhere in the community or at school. But right now that symptom-free school protocol is in place. And like everything, we have continual improvement and there is um, definitely times when things are being reviewed and that could potentially be reviewed as well. The biggest focus right now is how can we keep kids coming to school and at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the symptom-free uh, policy? Uh, uh, you know, sometimes I just randomly sneeze um, or, you know, have some sniffles. Uh, how, how strict is this policy? It's been pretty strict because it's the, the symptoms of COVID are sneaky. They're, they're so subtle for some people and other people have full-blown symptoms. And so we know that we've actually been able to identify more than several positive cases through the symptom-free protocol when somebody's had just the sniffles or a little bit of a headache, and they've really felt like, no, this is nothing, I always get this. If somebody gets seasonal allergies or something like that, we definitely can work with their healthcare provider and that school nurse, so that child is not um, needing to leave school with that, that um, doctor's written, um, oh, whatever, with, the, with that positive, with that, sorry, working with a doctor for somebody who has seasonal allergies or, or something that where they just sniffle all the time or whatever it can be, that child does not have to necessarily be out of school because the nurse and that doctor and that parent can work together. The, huh. the things on the list for symptom-free protocol, there's a whole page on that, is this is when we ask um, somebody to stay home, whether they're a student or a staff, and please get a COVID-19 test too, is if you have a temperature of 100.4 or presumed fever, a new cough or shortness of breath, chills, muscles, muscle or body aches, a fatigue that's much more than normal, a runny or stuffy nose, a sore throat, 
headache, vomiting, diarrhea, nausea, or abdominal pain, a new loss of taste or smell, a new undiagnosed or untreated rash or skin condition, and if you're taking the first 24 hours of antibiotic treatment. So it's a broad list for that. And the schools also, if somebody's already at school and they have parent permission, can offer a, a COVID test as well to help make sure that that person isn't um, testing positive for COVID. We also know, and Dorotha could comment on this more, there have been a lot of bad colds going around as well. Ah, yes. Um, boy, those symptoms, they, uh, I, I'm glad they're more rare in younger folks because to me it just sounds like uh, I turned 60. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the school district, the uh, the group who's making the policy uh, on COVID, uh, do you guys have one in place already for when, uh, you know, in anticipation of uh, vaccines for uh, 5 to 11-year-olds? I'm not sure what your question is. Oh, um, uh, have you guys already talked about uh, the potential for vaccines for younger kids? And do you have uh, uh, any policies regarding that ready to go? There wouldn't be any new policies. It would just follow along the same lines as what happens with vaccinations and, and the school district encourages back for students and staff to become vaccinated. That's a safe, that makes it safer for everybody, um, for, especially for those families um, that if a child is positive, they're not potentially bringing COVID home. And we know from all of the um, research and the, everything, the messaging that we get that somebody who's vaccinated can still get COVID, but they're not likely to have a severe case, or as I was told when I would have had a breakthrough case, I'm not likely to perish from COVID. Um, that doesn't take that away. So new policies, no, there's not any new policies. It would just extend the age of the students that could be vaccinated. I think a lot of people would feel relief. There's other people that are gonna say, my child's not gonna get vaccinated and I don't believe in the vaccine. So there's a full range continuing on the peninsula of mindsets and of the actions that get associated with that. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Peggy, I know you have uh, another meeting you have to get to, and uh, I'll let you go with this one last thing. Uh, the song we heard at the beginning of the show was Mr. Fool by John Schofield. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Mis and Mr. Fool. Mr. Fool. I like that by John Schofield. I just wrote that down. And just a reminder, uh, parent-teacher conferences for almost all of our schools are today and tomorrow, so no school for students. And then we are celebrating the November 11th um, holiday, so there's no school for most of our schools on November 11th. And each year that alternates between that holiday and the calendar committee chooses November 11th. Sometimes it's Martin Luther King Day, sometimes it's President's Day. So that's a rotating day off. It's not always the same every year. So a reminder that November 11th is a school holiday for most of our schools. All right. Excellent. Well, thanks for that information. Peggy Erkenev with the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. Dorotha Ferraro, it's just you and me now. Okay. Sounds good, Jay. <laughs> uh, and on Monday night's uh, uh, city council meeting, you uh, uh, gave an update to the uh, council. A lot of big news with the uh, uh, booster shots. And now, of course, we're going to have... Uh, kid shots coming up. Could you give us a little update about uh, uh, your shots and such? Yes. So why don't we talk first with about boosters? And I just want to make sure my voice is coming over okay, because yours is very um, distorted. Can you hear me okay? You sound terrific. I'm sorry I uh, sound more distorted than usual. 
tech, it's a techno sound. So, um, okay, so as far as boosters go, let's start with what we have and what we know um, is recommended and um, approved as eligible. So um, as far as Pfizer and Moderna boosters, um, I'm going to kind of layer some, some groups out for people who were um, fully vaccinated at least six months ago with Pfizer or Moderna. This group, it is CDC recommended, should get a booster at this time. And that is individuals who are 65 years of age and older, individuals 18 and older who live in a long-term care setting, or individuals 50 years of age and older who have underlying medical conditions that might put them at higher risk of um, severe COVID illness. So that group, the Pfizer Moderna, at least six months ago, they are in the, it is recommended to get a booster. Then the J&J, &J, the Janssen vaccine, anyone 18 and over who had a Janssen vaccine at least two months ago, it is recommended that they get a booster. And then there is a group that is May, that they it's up to them and up to their health benefit risk and talking to their provider. And all of this is up to them. But as far as the recommendation, it's you may get one if it's appropriate for you or if it's right for you based on your health and um, health risk benefit. So that group is you were vaccinated, fully vaccinated Pfizer Moderna at least six months ago and didn't fall into the other groups. So basically that you're under 50, totally healthy, don't work or live in a, in a high risk setting or whatever, or that you are in that high risk. I just said that backwards. I am so sorry. I was being so careful to say it correctly. And I said it, I said it backwards that you're 18 and over and you do live or work um, in a high risk setting. So your critical infrastructure, your teachers, your healthcare, your grocery store workers, your transportation, et cetera. So those folks are eligible and they are in the group of, you may get one, um, take a look at the, the situation that you're in and make a decision or you're 18 and older and you have an underlying medical condition, you are um, approved under the emergency use authorization as well. So I'll recap it for Pfizer, Moderna, because I screwed up there in the middle, my apologies. So Pfizer and Moderna, I'm just gonna go down the list. 65 years and older should, CDC recommended should. 18 years and older living in a long-term care setting should. People with underlying medical conditions age 50 and older should. Now this is the May group. People with underlying medical conditions 18 years and older may. People who work or live in a high risk setting 18 years of older may. And high risk might mean first responder, education, food and agriculture, um, transportation, grocery store, etc. Janssen and Janssen or Janssen, the J and J. Anyone 18 years and older who received one at least two months ago should. And the reason on that is that that vaccine has a lower vaccine effectiveness over time compared to the mRNA vaccines. And that's why everyone in that group at, at two months or greater is recommended that they should. Um, all of this is available under the um, FDA emergency use authorizations. Mm, now, the I... next question. Oh. The next question is where to get them. So um, if you fall in one of those groups and you um, plan to get a booster, first, I just want to say there's plenty of vaccine available and there is no rush or sense of urgency in regards to availability. Um, so some opportunities that are date specific. We have um, booster events coming up this Saturday and next Saturday. 
two consecutive Saturdays at the high school. Appointments are required and they are available at sphosp.org. These booster events are specifically for Pfizer and Moderna. Does that mean you have to be somebody who had Pfizer or Moderna already? No, because CDC is permitting kind of mix and match. So maybe you were a Janssen person from greater than two months ago, and maybe you want to get the Pfizer or Moderna booster. This event would be for you. Or if you're a Pfizer or Moderna and you want to do a Pfizer or Moderna booster, this event is for you. So there's two consecutive Saturdays at the high school, um, sphosp.org to set your appointment. And when you hit that appointment button, it's going to walk you through these questions. So it'll, it'll kind of narrow down whether you're eligible or not and um, before you get to the appointment part of it. But we really appreciate people um, doing the appointments. It helps us plan. Other opportunities um, at the Test and Vaccine Clinic on Bartlett Street. We're open seven days a week, nine to five. For the next two weeks, we're also open Tuesday evenings late for those folks that are working and can't get um, a daytime appointment. So nine to five, other than Tuesdays for the next two weeks, we're open till seven. You can get any day of the week, Pfizer or Moderna. You can get Janssen on Sundays and Tuesdays. One other opportunity is um, Friday in Anchor Point. The NTC Health Clinic, you know, um, Traditional Council Health Clinic, will be doing a pop-up test and vaccine clinic. And that will be from 11 to 6 at the Cheeky Moose Laundromat parking lot. You'll see their mobile van clinic there. And um, so they will be offering them out in Anchor Point on Friday. Okay. So um, also you can um, check with your health care provider. To the best of my knowledge, most of the primary care clinics um, are are or somewhat making boosters available so you can always check with your provider as well okay um you talked about uh folks who are uh i believe it was 60 and above or maybe it was 50 and above with underlying uh health uh issues uh should uh, get a booster was that 50 or 60 50 five zero five zero okay uh mm-hmm. now i'm uh, i'm not 65 but i'm over 50 uh and i I uh, I think I have some underlying issues. I've got a uh, I'm a little chubby, so I've got a body mass index that's high. I think that's a, 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 a qualification. And then uh, blood pressure. Uh, what are some of the other things that uh, you know somebody who's uh, 50 uh, might have that would uh, prompt them to uh, seek out the booster? Be eligible. Yeah, and the the re. The reason being um, that it, because of the underlying condition, you're at risk for a severe case of COVID um, if and when you get it. So the list I'm reading right from the CDC website, the list is cancer, kidney disease, liver disease, lung diseases like asthma, um, COPD, um, pulmonary embolism. I mean, just any of your lung diseases, dementia or other neuro- neurological conditions, diabetes type one or type two, um, Down syndrome, heart conditions, any heart disease, HIV infection, um, a weakened immune system, immunocompromised um, condition that you may have, m- even a mental health condition, overweight or obesity. Um, and that, I'm just going to quickly here see if I can, it's based on your um, BMI that maybe. Um, you have a high BMI um, that falls into the obesity um, range. Pregnancy, 
um, pregnancy. We, we won't dive into that, Jay, okay? Um, sickle, um, sickle cell disease smoker, being a smoker or a regular tobacco user. Um, so pretty long list, um, substance use disorder, tuberculosis, um, so pretty long list of underlying medical conditions that might put you or the person at high risk of a severe um, case of COVID if they're exposed. Mm -hmm. I, I like what you said there about, uh, you know, the rules are designed to keep people uh, from having severe cases, right? I mean, that's that's the whole point behind it. And that's, that's why it's a pretty broad, it seems to be a broad set of categories there uh, for underlying medical uh, issues. Yes. Yeah. Uh, here's a question uh, from, uh, from a caller that they uh, wrote in. Uh, in a few months, they're turning 65, and they're wondering if they can just get the booster now. And also for those under 65, is a doctor referral required for the booster? Um, a, a referral does not get you a booster. Being in one of those groups qualifies you for a booster. So um, we are not at these events. We're not going to ask you to prove your medical condition to us. Um, when you set the appointment, you are going to walk through a little survey and just answer that, yes, you fall into one of those groups. No, you don't. And so it's just the, uh, the honest um, honesty is the best policy. Um, and you just answer those questions. And if you answer them, and then you move on to set your appointment. So we're just trusting that folks are going to um, follow the guidelines um, that are recommended based on the emergency use authorization. So when, they, when these vaccines and boosters, when they go through those four steps of the committee, FDA committee and then FDA full panel and then CDC committee and CDC approval, those are um, very specific, at least the second two hurdles, they're very specific to the WHO. You know, part of it's the safety of the element itself, but then it's the safety of the vaccine in that group and the efficacy of it working in a particular group. And so like kind of bypassing the recommendations is not necessarily good practice um, because it wasn't approved for that use. So it, 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 it's safer and um, more effective and more beneficial to you if you fall into the group that it, it's been um, authorized by emergency use authorization for. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Um, so if this guy's 64 and a half and he fills out the paperwork, is he going to get a booster? <laughs> um, when folks come to get their booster, we do not check their driver's license. <laughs> okay. That's, that's fair enough. Um, well, you know, we don't have any more questions here, and uh, I promised you a short show, and it's almost 9.30. Dorotha, is there any last things you'd like to uh, share with the folks? You bet. Um, so I, a couple things. One, to the um, children um, vaccine rollout, please just watch um, our website, sphosp.org, the vaccine call line, 435-3188 radio um, next um, Thursday, probably we'll have much um, clearer um, guidance and um, details on rollout of appointments for children. We're really hoping to utilize that November 11 date, which yes, is a holiday. And um, just wanna give a thanks to all veterans in the community um, because it is Veterans Day and honoring their service that day, but every day. Um, but that is a day that children are off school 
in the in our school district and so that might be a really good um, day to offer up um, kid-friendly appointments but it'll just all be based on um, the the federal approval um, timelines etc and again plenty of um, vaccine in our state and no um, urgent or immediate need to um, get out there. So number two is um, visitation at the hospital. So statewide and nationwide visitation in hospital settings has um, been a point of concern, both um, the, the need for it and the um, risk that it poses for um, infection um, spread. And we, for the last boy couple months during, during this Delta surge, we have been closed to visitation. And um, our infection prevention committee and um, extended leadership group has been visiting about it over the last um, couple weeks and hearing the desires from the community and complaints from the community about it. And we um, are moving this weekend to um, allowing one visitor um, per patient so that uh, folks can have a loved one with them. We still don't have systems in place that we feel um, comfortable with um, for allowing a visitor for a COVID positive patient. We are researching with other hospitals and with um, others, in, yeah, with other hospitals to see if there's anyone out there that have figured that one out. So right now that's, that would not be available. Um, other modalities are, you know, we can offer to connect folks but right now visitation for a COVID positive patient would not be um, permitted unless end of life or an unusual um, circumstance. But in general, starting this weekend, if a person's hospitalized for other reasons, they're here for surgery, they're here for uh, MRI or uh, anything like that, um, folks are um, permitted to have one visitor with them. So super happy to announce that. Also um, tomorrow, Friday, flu shot clinic. So Rotary Health Fair and SVT have teamed up to do a flu shot clinic at SVT Health and Wellness on Friday from four to seven. And that is adult and senior doses only. So free flu shots Friday, four to seven SVT, adult and senior doses only while supplies last. And let me check my list to make sure we went over everything. Um, I don't want the um, message of that we're now permitting visitation to um, be interpreted as um, that COVID doesn't um, isn't around anymore. The the alert level has not changed at all. We are still at 10% of our weekly um, positivity rate. We are right at 10% still, and um, so not going down, not going up. We had five new admissions for COVID to our hospital last week. We had 13 um, visits to the ER for COVID. Um, we also did um, 24 monoclonal antibody. Um, treatments, and those are only for people who have tested positive for COVID and fall into high-risk groups. So COVID is definitely still here and still a risk um, for community spread. Um, the reason for the visitation, um, relaxing visitation was just because of, we wanna be responsive to our community. We know that having a loved one with you makes a difference. And we also know that infection prevention measures definitely exist and work in reducing the spread. So we feel that we can offer that and it would be um, safe to do so. So I think awesome. that uh, is the, that's the list. Oh, excellent, excellent. Uh, well, while you're talking, uh, one more question got uh, sent in. Uh, and it's uh, it's about uh, vaccine cards. And I guess I, I wanted to ask earlier, uh, if I go in for my booster, when I go in for my booster, uh, should I bring my vaccine card in? And um, 
you know, are you worried about anyone falsifying those things to 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 get boosters? Um, that's not a top priority of our worry, um, but to um, the question of having a card, yes. Please, thank you for bringing it up. Please bring your card. It will make your experience so much faster. Um, so if you can't find your card, don't not come. We have internet at the school and we'll log in to backtrack and find you. But um, your fastest experience is going to be to set your appointment and bring your card with you. And then you'll just sail right through the, um, through the registration line. All right, excellent. In, and in, in general, if somebody has lost their card, they can um, contact the, the test and vaccine clinic on Bartlett Street and get a copy. But I would say that if you don't, um, if you don't need it immediately, just give those guys a break right now. They're doing as many as 100 vaccines a day over there. So they are pretty swamped. So um, if you want to clarify information using the vaccine re recording, 4353188 is a way to just kind of verify info. Um, and if you don't need your card right now during this booster rush and possibly children's vaccine rush, um, maybe just hold off for a few weeks to, to inquire about that. Excellent. Well, Dorota Ferraro, thanks so much for uh, sticking out with me here uh, today. I uh, really appreciate all the information. Uh, I, you know, after, after the show, quite often I feel a sense of dread, but today I feel pretty optimistic. Um, so I'm very happy about that. I appreciate you um, talking with us and um, we'll talk to you again next week. Great, thank you, Jay, I appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. And that is the COVID Brief. Also wanna thank Peggy Irkineff from the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District Central Office for joining us as well. It's uh, 9.34, we've got slushy and icy roads out there as the sun's coming up, so drive carefully and uh, maybe consider getting those studded tires on. Uh, at this point, I'm gonna sign off. This is Jay Barrett, and I'm going to uh, send you back to the studio.